Let me pray for us and let's get in the Word. Father God, thank you uh, that you call us to relationship with you, that you choose to call us by your name. Help us live in such a way that we bring honor to your name. Help us hear from your word today and respond with obedience to you. We pray these things in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, over the break, I had the opportunity to introduce my sons to one of the great movies of the 1980s, The Karate Kid. The story of a young Italian who with a few months training from Mr. Miyagi overcomes much larger, more experienced competitors. He wins the tournament. He earns his enemy's respects. He gets the girl and a classic car, which somehow was the owner, the guy who was a the, uh, the guy who's the maintenance man at a uh, run-down apartment complex somehow owns a fleet of classic cars. We're not going to talk about how that happened, but we know that the Italian wins in the end. Now, of course, some of the most memorable scenes in the movie are the training scenes. Uh, Daniel-son thinks he's waxing a car or sanding a floor, but he's really learning how to block punches. Uh, one scene that stuck out to me is that he has him paint the fence. Paint the fence, right? This hand, this hand, paint the fence, paint the fence. And he's working on it for hours. There's an 80s montage. I don't remember what song it is that he's painting the fence to, but hours and hours go by. And, um, and he, get, he thinks he's done. He goes over to Mr. Miyagi. Oh, whew, he's, I don't know why he's out of breath painting the fence, but he's obviously, he's been working hard. And he says, oh, I'm done, Mr. Miyagi. Miyagi looks at it. He's like, good job, Daniel-son. Now paint the other side, right? He thinks he's done but he's only halfway. And that's something a lot of us can relate to, right? We think we're done, and we find out we're still in the middle. You know, that's a lesson that's a, you know, for us right now. But Daniel learns this lesson, the karate kid, that's good for us. It's not, it's not really about how gifted we are. It's not about the skills we have or even the opportunities that come to us. Often success, kingdom success, is about perseverance. It's about keeping going when you find out you're in the middle and you thought you were done. Listen to how James puts it in James chapter 1 as he encourages believers in humble circumstance. He says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him steadfast under trial. That's code for not giving up. It's a theme we see all throughout Scripture, a common trait held by many of the heroes of the faith. Here's how Paul puts it in Galatians. He says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Now there's kind of a warning hiding in there, isn't there? And the warning is this. If you do good, you'll get tired of it after a while. Right? And Paul says, so keep your eye on the prize because a season is coming when all your good doing, your faithfulness, will be rewarded. Now this section uh, in Galatians comes at a, right after a part where he talks about bearing each other's burdens. He says, especially don't grow weary of doing good when you're helping people. We can get tired of helping people. It makes me think of uh, someone who helped me a number of years ago and never knew it. Uh, about 30 years ago, I was a, a college kid, and I had gone to a Campus Crusade for Christ retreat. They tricked me into it. 
I thought I was going to play football somewhere, and turns out I'm at some Christian kid retreat. And I'm having a good time, and uh, about 11 o'clock at night, they gather us together, and this guy named Blair Cook stands up uh, to give this uh, a, a message at the retreat. And he was enthusiastic for the gospel, and he, he brought it, right? And I heard him share the gospel message for the first time. Now, I didn't think about it then, but as a 48-year-old man now, and I think Blair was in his late 40s then, do you know what I want to be doing at 11 o'clock at night? Sleeping. I would like to be sleeping at 11 o'clock at night. I don't want to be hanging around a bunch of college kids who are, and who knows if they're even listening. I don't remember how rowdy the crowd was that night, but I've spoken to retreats of kids late at night, and you're thinking, why am I even here? Is anyone even listening, right? Is this even worth it? Why aren't I home in bed? And yet that night, late 40s Blair Cook brought it. He brought the gospel. He brought it with humor and enthusiasm. He persevered to that moment. And that's the night that I gave my life to Christ. Now, I remember telling the story uh, once to someone. They said, what did he say when you told him? And I said, I don't know. I never told him. There were hundreds of kids there. You don't think you can talk to the guy who's up front, you know? And, uh, and so I was like, okay. I, I, and I thought about it. I'm like, I bet you I can look him up. And so five years ago, 25 years after that moment, I wrote him an email. And I said, hey, I'm sure you don't know me, but 30 years ago on the campus of Miami University, you got up at 11 o'clock at night and shared the gospel, and I heard, I heard the gospel. I received Christ, and I told him what I've been doing with my life since then. And we were in the middle of New Hope then, and I told him some of the good things that we were about, and he wrote me uh, right back. He responded with great joy. And he told I said, what are you up to now? And there, at the time, he's in his late 60s, early 70s. At that point, he was running something called the International School Project, uh, which encourages and resources Christ-following teachers in countries all around the world. I found out in our first service that a person who goes here to New Hope served with Blair Cook in the Ukraine in 1995, uh, teaching uh, students, teaching teachers in the Ukraine how to run Bible studies in their classrooms, using, uh, using the Bible as their curriculum. And who knows all the fruit that came from that. And uh, in that same email, he shared me his favorite verse. He goes, this is my favorite verse, and I'm waiting for it to be one, something really uplifting. It's Proverbs 26, 14. I was like, What's Proverbs 26, 14? No one has that tattooed on them. How am I supposed to know what that is? And so I looked up Proverbs 26, 14. It says this, As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. I'm like, that's your life verse? His life verse is, get up in the morning, lazy bones. Don't be a sluggard. And I went, man, maybe ministry is different than I think. And it is. Doing good is not about the flash. It's certainly not about the cash. It's about getting up. It's about showing up. It's about being faithful. It's about not growing weary doing good. In the long haul, it's not about what we do necessarily perfect. It's about who we are. It's about what we keep doing, what we're faithful to. And so I took this word of counsel from a seasoned saint, and I hope that you do too. 
just get out of bed and keep doing it. That thing that God called you to, that you're in the middle of, that thing you've been carrying a long time that feels like carrying a couch, keep getting out of bed. Keep working. Keep walking. Perseverance is what matters. Not whether you did it perfectly, not whether our sound worked all the time. We will keep showing up, right? This is so true of us here at New Hope. This year, we have no idea what's going to happen. This is my vision cast message for the year. And normally I could tell you, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. I don't know what we're going to do. I have no idea. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when we'll be open in a new way again. I don't know what we'll be able to do. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't pretend. I don't have the gift of prophecy. You know, how can we plan or, or what events we could have or initiatives? We, we can't decide that now. But here's what I can decide. Here's what we have decided. We're going to keep trying. We're going to keep swinging. I had this kid on my little league team one year who had a hard time with swinging. He would just stand up there and hope for a walk. And sometimes he would walk, but after the other teams knew he wouldn't swing, they would just lob over easy strikes. And so each day I'm like, dude, just swing. Just swing at every pitch. I don't care where it is, just swing at every pitch. It took us several games to convince him that it was better to try swinging and maybe be embarrassed and strike out than to wait and hope for the other team to mess up. So finally he did. I remember the first swing he took, he missed the ball by about seven feet, which is almost impossible. It was a ball that landed like three feet short, and he swung at it like this, and we celebrated. We are like, yes, thank you for swinging, right? And probably the first 15 times he came up to bat and gave us three swings, he struck out. But you know what he kept doing? He kept swinging. On the 16th time up, he hit the ball. We were all incredibly shocked. <laughs> I was shocked as the coach. He, was, he didn't know what to do. The other team was shocked. The ump was shocked. We all just stood there, and he looked over at me like, and I'm like, run, run. That's what happens next, right? It's incredible. And you know that kid today as Chris Bryant from the Cubs. I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding. He would have struck out. All right. Look, as a church, I don't know what we're going to hit this year. But I know we're going to swing. We're going to take every hard swing we can get. What does that mean? We're going to continue to find ways to get in the Word together on Zoom, in person, in prayer groups. We're going to figure out weird family events. We're going to do stuff outside and inside, and we might send more weird boxes to your homes. We're going to do things in bad conditions. Uh, we might try to do some pop-up services if the weather gets nice enough. We'll make fires in our parking lot again, but we're going to keep swinging. We're going to keep swinging because our job is faithfulness. God's job is results. And sometimes he uses our efforts and we don't even know it for 25 years like Blair Cook didn't know it. Or we don't know it until we get to heaven. And I guarantee you that if you remain faithful, if you continue to forgive that person and share the gospel and pray that you'll see those results in season. It might be in this life you might get that gift or you might not see it until you're in heaven. But keep swinging we're going to do here's what it says in romans chapter 5 it says i understand that that swinging that trying produces trial 
it's hard. You take losses. But even God, but God can even use those. This is Romans 5, 3 through 5. He says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You know, I want to read that again, and I want you to dwell on it for just a second. He says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You know what that verse does? It rings true, doesn't it? This is one of those truths that we can feel. It's the strange truth that is that hard times grow us and easy times don't. The people I like best in the world are people who have struggled and endured because there is nothing else that develops character like coming through a trial. We can all enjoy easy times, but they will not develop our character. And I love where this passage goes. He says, you know what character does? He says, character produces hope. It's the natural result of character. Because when we go through trial, when we endure suffering, we learn to depend on God. And the more we depend on him and see his provision, see his sovereignty, the more we hope. Now, this is only true for Christ followers. That's who Paul's writing to. If you're suffering for a non-believer, for those trusting in this world, produces despair and desperation. This place is broken and it's easy to see. But for the Christ follower who sees God at work, the Christ follower sees the promise of our real home. And so hard times produce character. And I think character is basically uh, caring about the right stuff, the right amount. I think character is caring the right amount about the right stuff. When people say that their illness or loss of a loved one put things in perspective, I think that's exactly what that means. Caring the right amount about the right stuff. I remember when our kids were small, we had four kids under five at one point in our house. And if you had asked me how I felt about that, I would say, generally speaking, I felt grumbly about it. Mostly grumbly. Our house was always a mess. We were always broke. There were things smeared places. My wife was worn out like crazy, right? And I'm like, man. And even though I was overjoyed at each child that was added to our brood, right? I was like, man, this is hard. And then one day I got a call from a young married couple, and I went and met them at the hospital as they were losing their child. And I sat with them as they lost their kid. And you know what they weren't praying for? They weren't praying for a clean house. They weren't praying for more money. They weren't praying for a little adult time. They were just praying for life. Because trial produces character. Trial puts the right things in the right places. When we go through hard things, we're reminded of what matters and what matters the most.
And I went home from that awful day and thanked the Lord for exactly what I had. Exactly as they were. As a church, we want to be a place that cares the right amount about the right things. Some of those things sound simple but can end up hard. Like seeing people trust Christ should outrank the color of the walls. Right? Helping the poor and oppressed should win out over making sure that we have enough in our bank account all the time. The unity of our body outranks uh, titles and positions. One of the many gifts of the past year has been suffering that produces endurance that hopefully will produce character. And I'm thankful that this year put the importance of the building we have here in perspective. I'll, I'll confess something to you. Before uh, COVID started, if you had asked me what changes I wanted to make, I would have grumbled to you about our building, about how our sanctuary wasn't big enough and our classrooms weren't right and things always break around here. And we had looked at a new place and thought about, man, how can we change this? This is an obstacle for us. And then COVID hit and no one could use their building. And I was like, huh, building doesn't matter. <laughs> we meet outside now. <laughs> We meet wherever now. We meet online now. And God showed me. We had the best year of people coming to Christ at New Hope last year without our building. God's like, what's the obstacle? Turns out it's not your building. It's your faithfulness. It's your obedience. Do things my way and I'll bless it and I'll bring fruit. And I had to confess to him, man, God, thank you for that lesson again, right? And we had to learn that lesson again last year. We had so many people in need, and I was proud of our elders to just say, we're going to give, we're going to give, we're going to give. And God's like, and I'll provide, and I'll provide, and I'll provide. It's not really a contest. I'm going to win. You keep giving, I'll keep providing. Those were two lessons we learned last year, and I want to hang on to those and continue to realize the obstacle we have is only our own faithfulness, not how much money we have or what building we're in. So maybe things will change this year. Maybe things will get better. I don't know. But when they do, take the lesson of the hard time, the character that could produce by trial, the stupid things that you stopped caring about, and let those lessons sink in and allow it to change your character for good. You know, one of the little things for me is I learned how unimportant sports are. I'm a sports guy. Always followed professional sports. Loved watching my kids play sports. And a lot of that went away this year. And who cares? I didn't. And I'm like, why did I spend energy and emotion on this? Why does this matter? It doesn't. God put that right in my heart. Doesn't mean I never watch a football game or whatever. But God's put the caring the right amount about the right things first and foremost in my heart. So let us be steadfast. Let us lean into trial and let it grow us. So we're going to keep swinging. We're not going to be afraid of trials. We're going to lean into them and let them, let them grow us. And then let us remember this. Let's remember that we're not alone. Here's how Hebrews 12.1 puts it. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, the faithful who have walked with God through thousands of years and generations. 
through hardship and trial, wars and persecutions. And those witnesses are no strangers to the challenges we face. And their eyes are upon us, and they cheer us along to live for the kingdom, to put eternal values and realities first. And from their perspective, they can see all the traps that we get caught up in, materialism and infighting, selfishness and gossip, and they implore us to put those things aside. It reminds me, I went to the movies one time when I was in high school with a bunch of guys, and we went to go see one of the Friday the 13th movies with Jason, the guy with the hockey mask on. I'm not a fan of horror movies. Uh, I don't go, uh, I haven't been to a horror movie in a long time. I end up just praying for the people. But in high school, a bunch of guys, oh, we're going to go see this, and I had to be brave and go, you know. And, uh, and so we go to the movies, and we went to this uh, place in uh, Piscataway, New Jersey, huge theater, and we're watching the movie, and in the middle of the movie, uh, this girl, she was with a group of people, and they're all going to get out of the camp, and then she goes back to get her hat from like a remote cabin. Great plot writing there. And she goes back to the remote cabin, and as she's going, all of a sudden, you see Jason, the murderer. He comes around the corner. He's sneaking up, and a lady in the theater stood up, and she's like, watch out! Watch out! He's coming for you! Get out of there! Run away! Leave the hat! Go! Go! Right? And of course, it's a horror movie. He comes up and murders her, right? And she's still standing, and she goes, I told you. I told you. That's your own fault. That's on you, right? It was great. Sometimes I imagine that that's how the saints of old sound when they see me doing something stupid. Gary, stop it. You don't need to say that arrogant thing. Stop being so greedy. Go apologize to your wife right now. I didn't write that in my notes, Liz, did you? Oh, right? Or maybe they're encouraging on the positive side, right? They're looking at us going, hey, 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 be generous. Be generous. That money's not going to matter when you get here. Give it. Give it away. No, 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 no. Tell that girl about Jesus. That's what she needs to hear right now. Tell her, pray for that guy. No, 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 help those people. Stand up for the oppressed right now. Encourage your brother who's down. That's what's going to matter when you get here. Come on, man. You can do it. One day, right, we're going to wish we heard and listened to that great cloud of witnesses because we'll be in it. For those of us who are faithful, we'll be part of that great cloud of witnesses. And hear their voices, eternal values, right? Taking swings for the gospel, persevering. Maybe you're running that race hard right now, and one of those saints is just going, you got it. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. You can't hold, run the whole race right now. You just get to, I remember when I, would, I was training for a 5K years ago. I hate running. I just do. I'd rather stand and fight. I wish that was a thing. You could just go on a 5K and just stand and fight. But I'm running, I'm trying to train. And I would just, I'm, and you know what I'm thinking when I'm running? I'd like to stop running. That's what I'm thinking. And I remember I just to go, next mailbox, right? Just make, just, just go to the next mailbox. I think a lot of times the saints are just, hey, keep it up. Today's just today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today. Serve, serve God today. Worship God today. Work for justice today. Share the gospel today. Be forgiving today. Right? Next mailbox. Next mailbox. You know, if you need to be reminded, 
man, I, I, love, I love hearing about what God's doing. I love reading in the Word about those who've been faithful to Him for a long time. I like talking to just other believers and saying, what's God been doing in your life? How's He using you? And being encouraged by that. I love hearing, uh, reading missionary biographies. Get, get surrounded and hear the stories of God's people and be encouraged by them. I think for us at New Hope this year, this is going to be a year of perseverance, of developing spiritual maturity, and of living for the long haul. So we're making a big investment here in young leaders. You heard about our New Hope Scholarship Fund. That's also why we do internships here at New Hope, So we want to see young leaders come up. I had a more mature leader approach me about a month ago and say, hey, where can I serve? What can I do? And, and he's going to end up um, um, discipling some of our young leaders in the church, just mentoring them, encouraging them, helping them keep going. And so I think that's the kind of thing when you see we're, we're seeing new leaders come up in our recovery ministry. We're working on this thing called Perspectives class, which is a college-level class in conjunction with other, uh, other uh, churches in our conference to help young people uh, think about missions and ministry as a career. Um, we want to be a place where young leaders and second career people are thinking toward missions and ministry, thinking toward kingdom work. We want to continue to grow in generosity this year. You know, we found out that uh, this, this year, we found out that generosity never goes out of style. Uh, all the things the closet did this year, the back-to-school bash, Christmas toy giveaway, the way we did food distribution, other outreaches, generosity always works. There are always people who need help, and helping people is a way to raise the reputation of God and reach people with the gospel. We're going to continue to learn, lean in and serve our community. I don't know exactly what that is. We're going to be looking for opportunities, and we'll be finding ways to serve over and over again. And then we're going to remember to live by heavenly standards, not worldly standards. We're going to be bold in proclaiming and encouraging those values, uh, standing up for the oppressed, pursuing justice. We're starting a new series next week called True Justice that I hope is going to set the tone for the year. It's all the biblical injunctions of what justice really looks like. I hope it's going to be challenging for us, but also inspiring. And finally, we're trying to invest in some of the new work of the kingdom, in missions, and church planting. We had our biggest year supporting that in the past year, and we want to keep that up. And one of the new initiatives that we're working with, with Casa de Oración and with our church and Danny Flores, um, is this thing called the Spanish Language Assessment in our conference. We're going to hopefully see more Spanish-language church planters uh, get um, uh, examined and prepared for ministry. Uh, that hasn't happened as much in our conference as it should have. We've never had one here in the Midwest, and my hope is we're working on New Hope uh, hosting uh, and sponsoring the first one, and that's something we want to have as part of our legacy. And so look, are we going to face trials this year? Absolutely. Are there going to be difficulties that we can't anticipate? Yep but we know who's with us. We know if we cling to Jesus, he's going to use those things to grow us and shape us for his glory. So what about you? What's this year going to look like for you? Have you determined to persevere, to join his work, to be in his word, to hear from his witnesses, to let trials grow you? Those are things you can decide to do right now, not knowing what's coming next. Be a person of perseverance who will one day join in that cloud of witnesses. May God bless you in that. I want to close today a little differently. I'm going to ask Harry Teeman to come back up, and I'll, I'll tell you a little story. 
Harry's one of my favorite people on the planet. I love the way that God's been using him. We call him the apostle to the bikers. But he also uh, has brought worship to our men's group for a couple of years now. And he wrote a song, uh, it's called When Will I Know, that our men's group sings regularly. It's, I sing it in the shower all the time. <laughs> um, and it's about longing to be face-to-face with Jesus and thinking about that season where we, we see the good work of God come to fruition. So I want to close today by just inviting you to listen as Harry sings. Uh, if you're a men's group guy and you want to sing along, go ahead and sing along with us. And then when Harry's done, I'll come up and pray for us. Lord, when will I see your wonderful grace, Lord, you bestowed upon me? Lord, when will I know? Lord, when will I see your glorious kingdom in front of me? up that hill and you hung from that tree you took all my sins away my sins away from me what a wonderful gift oh I can never repay all I can do Lord is walk in your way When will I know, Lord, when will I see your glorious face, Lord, in front of me? Lord, when will I know, Lord, when will I see your glorious face, Lord, in front of me? went up that hill and you hung from that tree you took all my sins away my sins away from me what a wonderful gift oh I can never repay all I can do Lord is walk in your way Lord, then will I know, Lord, then will I see your glorious face, Lord, in front of me. Lord, then will I know, Lord, then will I see your glorious face, Lord, in front of me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we look forward to a day when we can be face to face with you. Lord, help us to live with that day in mind and let it uh, bring uh, a spirit of perseverance and endurance to us. Help us to be people who lean into trials and grow. And even though we don't know the future, Lord, we know the one who holds the future. Let us cling on tight to you. Father, we love you. We trust you. Let us be a church Uh, full of hope this year. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.